My name is Tony Chastain, where you're about to hear the recordings of my friend and colleague, journalist John Nair, and his time spent in what is known as Maryvale, New York. In pursuit of a story surrounding his niece, who had disappeared five months previous, Nair entered into the township of Maryvale in the hopes that what he would find there would lead him to her. These recordings have been collected in the hope that someone, somewhere, may be able to help us understand what happened there. The voices you hear have not been altered. No names, places, times, or events have been altered or changed. Maryville exists. Its people exist. John Nair existed. This is his story. How? Come on, Tony. No, I mean it. How? How do you fire your best reporter for doing his job? Bad ethics. Apparently I'm too close to the story. Is that what Brent said? She's your own niece, for God's sake. What does he expect you to do? Wait for her to show up in someone's yard and let WKRN run the story? It's not even Brent I'm worried about. Can't even get Detective Vikram at the NYPD to talk to me anymore. Except for cases that go on as long as this, there's not much they can do. There's not much they did do. How long she been missing? Five and a half months. End of this week. Sister doesn't even leave the house anymore. She just sits by the phone waiting for someone to call. I'm the only one that ever does. Tony, she's quit everything. Work, sleep, food. Sean, I mean, I don't want to say stop looking, but five months? Vikram's a total flake, but he may have a point. Tony, it's not his niece. You and I both know if it were one of his own, he'd have an APB out in every town within a thousand mile radius of New York. Sophia's the daughter of a single mother and a niece to a B-scale Bob Woodward. So what are you going to do? I don't know. We've run ads in every edition since the week after she went missing. I've talked to four different police departments who've turned up about as much as Vikram has. Interviewed three people who thought they saw her, and I haven't got anything. No calls. No leads. Four months ago, I thought I could do it. Do what? Get her back. Tony, I'm the closest thing that girl's ever had to a father. I thought she would have gotten scared. Called. They can fire me, but they can't shut me up. So what can I do? You can stay here and give me anything I might need. Names, histories, addresses. Whatever you want, just say it. John, I know you want to find her. And I'm not saying she can't be, but if she's not, are you ready for that? I can't stop looking, Tony. John Nair, New York Republic. Come find me, Uncle John. Hello? Come find me, Uncle John. Hello? Come find me, Uncle John. Who is this? Come find me. Sophia? Who the hell is this? Mr. Nair? Yes. Yes, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I thought you were. Uh, th this is John. Who is this, please? My name's Abigail Lorden. Had a hell of a time getting through to you. You want that newspaper that's looking for that missing girl? Sophia. What? Sorry. Yes. Sophia. Sophia Nair. I want to talk to you. Do you have some information on Sophia? She's that pretty little blonde head girl. They say they saw her last time in some little white Sunday dress. Real pretty. About 5'3", under 100 pounds. Yes. Kind of a city type girl? Yes. That's the one. You're telling me you've seen her? That's exactly what I'm telling you, Mr. Nair. Well, how do I know it's her? I mean, that, that description could fit anyone. 
not Maryville. Saw her face in one of your papers. Didn't take me long to put it together. Maryvale. Is that where you're from? Where I live. Just upstate a few hours from where you at. You don't believe me? Well, I, I want to, but... Mr. Nair, let me ask you something. How long's it been? Six months? Five. You really think you can afford not to believe me? They've thrown you out of your office, out of your job, out of everything. You got nothing left to lose. Except her, again. How did you... Word gets round, Mr. Nair. So when can I expect you? Hello? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Friday the 26th, 11.26 a.m. Merivale, New York is not unlike most small towns, and yet so unlike most small towns. So small, its existence is noted only by its hundred residents and in the ink blot of a dot on a map of the tri-state area. It never warrants a spot on the statewide maps. I pull over at the township line, about to take what I hope will be the first step toward finding my niece. In two hours, I will be interviewing Abigail Warden, my first lead in over three months. I have this feeling I haven't had since the day I started searching, like I found her already, but I'm too afraid to look and know for sure. Stepping out of my car, I can read the dingy little signpost that welcomes me to Merivale. The population number has been scratched off. And I think that to enter Merivale is like leaving time itself behind at the township line. The kind of quiet here is not the quiet I expected. The only sound I can discern is the occasional blackbird, and nothing answers it back. Without the sign, it would be easy to miss Merivale, even to know there was a Merivale. The tree line goes on forever, seeming to only get denser the closer I get to the town. I drive further, finally reaching a quiet row of houses which sit derelict, seemingly abandoned. I pull over the side of the road, in disbelief at what sits in the yard of each house I pass. An empty car, parked on the grass, its door standing open, its hazard lights flashing silently. The front door to every house stands wide open. I see no one inside or out. I'm startled suddenly by the outline of a large black dog, which breaks from the tree line and sprints across the road. I watch it. It runs across my path to the opposite side. There, in the ditch, I see what I can only describe as a conclave of feral cats, grouped together, gorging on the fresh carcass of a dead deer, its neck split open, its eyes on me. The dog joins the group, and every animal simply continues to eat. Slowly I drive past and the dog raises his head at the sound of my engine. He opens his mouth, teeth gone red from the blood of the raw meat. I watch this gathering till it's lost in my rearview mirror, and the town unfolds itself to me. Merivale is a place where every face, when you're privileged to find one, greets you in that moment of vague expectancy, 
the customary smile, wide teeth, wide eyes, and yet there is the feeling that you're not being seen at all, that these faces that greet you are just the faces of specters in their tracks, that you were not there and never truly were. My subject, Abigail Warden, has a name fitting to her history. For the first 12 of her 22 years of life, she was a ward of the state of New York, maintained by public institutions, and taken in at the age of 13 by the Close family, James and Nadine, both of Merivale. We sit together on the Victorian frame porch of James and Nadine Close, who will not speak to me. Warden sways gently in her rocking chair, teasing a cigarette with a flame. I can only tell you what I saw. That's all I need to know. Anything and everything you can remember. Where was she, exactly? Just like I said, here, in town. Corner main and third, about a day ago. Weird little baby girl. She gotta be, what, 15, maybe? 14. Mm. Thought so. Told her I said, Honey, you lost? She just looked at me, you know? She takes a long drag from her cigarette, her eyes never leaving mine. Queer thing about those city girls. Once you take them out of those big places, them cities, they don't know what to do. She had this look on her face like someone had shut the lights off in the rest of the world. Did she say anything? Nothing I could make out. I couldn't tell you what she was thinking then. Just that there was something wrong with her. I watched her for a while, followed her down to Low Man's Creek, Finzel. Kept waiting for her to meet up with somebody down there. Never did. No car, no boy. Had to leave her there. And you're sure it was her? I wouldn't have wasted my time calling you if I wasn't sure of any of it. She leans into me, smoke glassing the gray of her iris. Her air is a smell like burnt wood and tobacco. She watches me for a moment. Ask anybody. I never forget the things I see. I'm too good at watching. Miss Warden, I, I don't want to appear ungrateful, but it doesn't really give me much. It's more than what you had almost half a year. And you don't know where she could have gone from there. How would she have survived for this long? She has to have had a connection with somebody here. That's not my territory. All I can tell you is what I saw. She's alive. She's out there. You're not crazy. You're not guilty. She holds me in her gaze. I want to look away, but I can't. I know what it's like. I, I grew up without no ma or pa. I know that it's like to lose someone you never even had to begin with. Then there you go, losing someone you had for a while. Someone you die to get back. I gotta think it's hardening. Knowing how good you had it and then losing it all is worse. Worse than aching for something you ain't got no memory for. I can't tell you where to go next, but I do know someone who could help. She gives me the name of the town's closest thing to a mayor. Saul Matheson. Matthews for short. We don't got no police force per se, 
Ten of four of nine. Mathis is the police. And how can I contact him? Won't need to. He'll get a hold of you when he's ready. Is Mr. Matheson expecting me? She eyes the tip of her dwindling cigarette and for the first time since our meeting, refuses to look at me. I know you're aching to find her, Mr. Nair, but don't go down there. At least not by yourself. In fact, you better not go up anywhere without Matthews or somebody to help you. Folks get lost a lot of different ways here. You want some more advice? Get yourself a room somewhere out of town. Stay low. Wait for him to call you. No, I, I appreciate the concern, Miss Warden, but I'm this close now. I'm, I'm not, I, I can't leave Merivale. She reclines in her chair, studies me. No, you can't. At this moment, someone begins to cry inside the house. The sound of a woman. Warden turns her head, snuffs out her cigarette, and stands up. I go to say something. She motions for me to be silent. Oh, bitch, it's lost again. She turns to me. Some nights when I fall asleep and I don't lock my door, I wake up and find her in my room. She don't say nothing. Just cry. A few months ago, I found her in the basement, in the pitch dark, crying again. When I went to turn her around, her mouth was bleeding something awful. She was down there trying to sew it shut with a pair of scissors and a needle and some thread. She ain't never been right since. We wait as the sound of the crying goes silent. I don't know what it is that makes a person like that. Don't know what it is that makes a person just up and disappear. But for what it's worth, I hope you find her. Thank you. You have my number in case you think of anything else? I got it. I would like Mr. Matheson's number, too, if you'd happen to know where I told you to wait. So, wait. I pack up my device and leave Warden as she re-enters the house. I prepare to call Tony, determined to get Matheson's information any way that I can. On my way across the closest yard, I glance back for a final glimpse of the house where I catch the gaze of the skeletal Nadine Close, standing behind the pane of a second-story window, watching me from above. The vile distortion of her mouth stops me in my tracks, and I cannot break her gaze as she mouths what I can only perceive as two words. Get out. Saturday the 27th, 1.26 a.m. I record this now from my motel room that sits at the town line. Tony gave me Matheson's office number. I spent the entire evening trying to reach him, even attempting to locate him at his office, but this town never seems to come alive, even in the daytime. I can't face my bed yet. Not tonight. Not when I've gotten something so promising so soon when it's too good to be true. Abigail Warden looked at me this afternoon the same way my sister does. Too smart to live by faith, 
too desperate to have anything but. I only hope that what she told me this afternoon was true. That there's still a chance of finding Sophia. If not for my sake, then for her own. Hold. Hello? John Nayer? Yes, this is he. You must forgive me for reaching you at such a late hour. I am Saul Matheson. I understand you have been trying to reach me for quite some time. My apologies. I was delayed in reaching you. Uh, no, not at all, Mr. Matheson. Uh, thank you. I ask that you do not celebrate too quickly, my friend. I reach out to you tonight with unfortunate news. My niece. A young woman whom you came in contact with earlier yesterday afternoon. A Miss Abigail Morden. Yes. I regret to inform you that Miss Warden was found dead in her home but an hour ago by her stepfather. Of course, you being one of the last people Miss Warden came in contact with prior to her death, I had to assure you were still available for questioning. Did you say Ted? I'm afraid so. How? She was found in her room with her eyes carved from their sockets and her stepmother attempting to sew her mouth shut. We've since taken Mrs. Close and put her in isolation. Given her, shall I say, abnormal medical history, she is, of course, under blanket suspicion. I'm sorry to inform you, I will need to question you in regards to Miss Warden's passing as well. Do you have plans to leave Merivale, Mr. Nair? No. Very good. Then tomorrow we meet. I would, of course, appreciate your complete cooperation and confidence until this matter has been resolved. Of course. I look forward to meeting you, my friend. And I apologize for this sudden bit of unfortunate news. Good night. Rest well. Good night. I double locked my door and drawn the window and covered the mirror. There are too many things I can't shake. What happened to Abigail Warden was my fault, that I know. What I can't know is who will be next and how many more will have to die before I find what I'm looking for. Who I'm looking for and do as Nadine Close warned me to do. Later, I fall into an exhausted sleep. I'm alone, on a road, surrounded by houses, with the maw of their front doors standing wide open, being shadowed by the constant form of a black dog with a fawn's dead eyes and bloodstained teeth. <laughs>